Welcome to the Tate Wheeler Podcast, a podcast about inspiration, perspective, and purpose. Let's do this. In our society, we are good at labeling. Whether it's race, color, religion, status, gender, political views, sexual orientation, body size, shape, style, you name it. We like to label and put people into categories. We judge people before we ever speak a word to them. We've all heard the saying, you cannot judge a book by its cover, yet we judge each other on appearance every single day. I'm white. And like many of my white friends, we often question what we should say when we see a horrific tragedy like George Floyd's death. We question if what we say will offend someone or come across the wrong way. Here's the important thing, though. By not saying something, we are in fact saying something, and it's not okay. When we witness racism, prejudice, injustice, assault, or in this case, murder, we have to stand up, stand together, and say something. Since we're so good at labeling, as a parent of three, it's my responsibility to say something. As a white male, it's my responsibility to say something. As an uncle of a niece and nephew with a different skin color than my kids, it's my responsibility to say something. As a Christian, it's my responsibility to say something. As a friend of many who look different than I do, it's my responsibility to say something. As a neighbor, As a brother, as a human, it's my responsibility to say something. And remember, when we don't say something, we are in fact saying something. We cannot expect to see a change if we don't change something. If you are hearing this, please say these words aloud with me. The change starts with me. Ready? Let's say it. The change starts with me. It's time to get to know our neighbors better. It's time to have the tough conversations. It's time to get comfortable being uncomfortable and calling out a friend, a brother, a coworker when they say or do something racist or prejudiced. It's time to step up as parents and have some tough conversations about real realities that still happen today. Watching the video gave me so many emotions, from disbelief to anger to heartbreak. We witnessed murder, there was no justification, and there needs to be justice. Today I bring back a repeat guest from episode 5. Edward DeCesar is a small business owner and executive director of a school in Milwaukee. He's been my best friend for 18 years. Ed and I have a different skin color. And we talked about this situation. I've voiced my opinion, my sadness, my anger, uh, similar to Ed. And when I think about George Floyd's death, I think about that could have been my best friend because of the color of his skin. So, Ed, I'd like to get your perspective here. Just overall, what are your overall thoughts and perspective on what's going on in our nation throughout the country right now? For me, it is extremely frustrating. It's disheartening. But part of me is a little numb to it because it seems as though this is something that's been going on for so long. And here we are again, you know, this happened with Ferguson, this happened, you know, something similar happened in Milwaukee. This is something, and it's like a little cycle. We go through this, nothing changes. We go through it again. Um, So the one difference I can say is it seems 
that there's a little more outrage this time than other times I've seen. Um, but I think people are tired. And when you put this on the in the middle of a pandemic where people have been shut in their house, their lives are already uprooted. And now you add this, people were already on edge and arguing about things. So now you add this and it, you know, it, you, you already had a fire going and now you've just dumped a pile of gasoline on it. Um, and it, and it's, and it's frustrating, you know, it's, you know, at times you kind of run out of things to say because I feel like I've exhausted, you know, my words on it to people. Um, but you know, you continue to pray and hope and wish that things improve and get better. Um, and I like to be a positive person, but you know, this is, you know, you flick a dog taste chasing your tail. We've been chasing this tail for hundreds of years in America. And at what point are we going to grab it? Mm -hmm. And I think there's, you see all ends of the spectrum. And one thing that I've really appreciated about how you've been able to share your perspective is there's people that were outraged and there's people that didn't even acknowledge the situation or even post about the situation until rioting and looting happened happened. And I know that you had some really good insight to that perspective, because I think if the one thing that I've consistently said to, to my white friends in this time, I was like, just as a heart check is, are you more upset about the murder or are you more upset about the rioting and the looting? That's just the heart check. I just want to know where you're at because that tells me a lot. Because if, in my opinion, if they're more upsetting about the rioting and the looting, they're more a part of the problem than they are the solution. But I, I would yeah. love to hear your perspective on that. It's, it's what I said the other day. People are complaining about the cough, but they don't want to address the pneumonia. You know, what we have going on is until it starts affecting people, people don't understand. You know, they, I can, as a business owner, I can understand why people would be upset about looting and all those things. I, I personally don't condone those things, but I'm not gonna condemn them either because I understand those are, these are results of systematic oppression that has happened in this country for the last hundred years. So to sit on a high horse and say, you guys shouldn't be breaking into this. You shouldn't be breaking in, into that. Some of these people are breaking into things because they're just opportunistic. And they're even more desperate because some people have been stuck in their house for two months and they, they're, they're short on money. The economy is a, a mess right now. So that even with that, keeping that in mind, that is why some people are doing this. But it speaks volumes when, when I see people just you know, it's about the looting and this and that, and the looting is unjust. You know, for two days, I felt scared because I was worried about rioting. Well, how do you think a black person has felt for the last hundred years? How do you think I've felt when I've been pulled over by police? And then the, the, let me start, I guess I should have started by saying, I speak for me so often when you see it with media, they, they bring a black guy on and he talks and the media tries to make him represent all of black America. That's not the case. I speak on behalf of myself because my experiences aren't going to be the same as the man next to me, aren't going to be as, the same as a black man in Minneapolis mm -hmm. or a white man in North Dakota. You know, I'm speaking on my experience. and I think that is something that people need to take a step back 
and gain empathy and and do some just some listening. We're always so quick to want to hear what someone has to say so we can respond versus, you know what, let me listen to what this person has to say because my upbringing wasn't the same as your upbringing. And my upbringing wasn't the same as a black man who grew up in the inner city of Milwaukee. My upbringing isn't the same as a a black man who grew up in the same neighborhood I grew up in. You know, Mm -hmm. we all grew up differently. So you're going to have so many different feelings, but I think it's the lack of empathy that worries me the most with everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you said something that I, I hope that the audience heard. Let's listen to hear somebody rather than listen to respond. And in this time there, as a person, a white person, let's listen to people that we don't, we don't have the same background. Let's listen to hear them, not just listen to respond. I think we miss that part so often. We're just trying, we're just trying to, to listen to respond and, and give our opinions. No, the, if we really want a change, we have to change something. And so maybe we change something by, we, we really need to listen to hear individuals differently. So what, from, from your perspective, Ed, what are some, some ways that we, um, all of us, I mean, you're a parent, I'm a parent, um, what are ways that we can start to build each other back up? And, and obviously you just said it, you know, listening to each other and hearing each other. Uh, but what are some other ways that we can start to better our kids, to improve the, the, from this cycle, you said a dog chasing its tail. How do we, how do we prevent that from happening over and over again? I mean, I, I think the first thing that needs to happen is we all have to be honest with ourselves. If you look at the game of life as if, as if it's a game of baseball, the goal is to, is to touch home plate. You get all the way around. But every single person doesn't start on the home plate at bat. There's some people that start on third base. So it's a very quick trot for them to get home. There's some people that start on first base. There's some people that are so deep in the dugout, that they may never even get to home base to start. And I think the word that people are get so offended by is the word privilege. And it gets so misconstrued with, you know, you, you tell someone that they have white privilege and they get offended because it has such an, a negative connotation. And the first thing someone will say is, I don't have white privilege, I struggled. But that's the mistake is it's not privilege or struggle. It's they can be one and the same. I spoke about it the other day on Facebook. I have light skin privilege, which is something that people do not talk about. It's white privilege and white privilege. Whereas for me, because I'm lighter skinned, I was always looked at as much less of a threat than someone that was near me that was much darker. So I think first and foremost, we have to just acknowledge where we are as individuals. And if in, if we have that privilege, we have to speak out. We have to use our platforms. I use Colin Kaepernick as an example because you know how polarizing he was. And he used his platform. So that that is what I think people like you, when you're doing these things for the podcast and when you go on social media, people have to use their privilege and use their platform to educate other people. Because we are, we only know what we know. And when we're talking about raising our kids, um, I had a conversation with a, with a childhood friend of mine the other day, and he was asking me a similar question. And the part where I was very fortunate is that I grew up in a, a pretty white neighborhood, went to school, you know, for middle or for elementary school, I was one of five black kids in my, in my class, in my grade. And as I got older, that grew, but I was exposed to so many different things. And you have a lot of kids 
who just don't get exposed to different cultures because these lines are are drawn. And it's not I'm not even just speaking for white kids. This is the same for black kids. You know, a lot of the kids at the school, for some of them, you know, they don't the, the only white people they really interact with are their teachers. So I think it's important for people to get different exposure with different people um, because that's how you learn. You know, if you grew up and if you grew up with all white people, I can't expect you to know and and understand, you know, black culture and where black people come coming from and vice versa. You know, if I grew up and I never was around white people, then, you know, being around you, I'm going to learn a lot because it's something new for me and, and people are so scared to expose themselves to new things. And I think that is going to be critical going forward that we take time to learn about everyone and learn about ourselves um, so we can grow together. Yeah. And I think uh, that I, I 100% agree with you. So you are executive director of a school that is, I would say, probably 100%, uh, 100% black. About 97% black and 92% uh, middle to low income. Gotcha. And then obviously I'm a, a parent of, of three white kids. So speak to that just from, from the, an education's perspective. What, what, some, what are some takeaways that we can – how do we talk to our kids about this on two fronts? You're talking to uh, you know, the parents of predominantly black kids and then for me, I'm your best friend. Uh, what, what would you want me to learn to share with my kids? How can we start breaking this things moving forward? I think to start, we have to be honest with our kids. Um, and, and to a certain degree, you know, our kids are still fairly young. So them grasping some of these concepts may be a little difficult, but as your kids get older, you have to be brutally on. I, I think you have to be brutally, brutally honest with them. You know, when we were growing up, racism, racism was definitely there. But because we didn't have social media and all of these things that made the world feel so much smaller, we were kind of sheltered from those things. They were there, but we didn't have a computer to log into to see what everyone everyone's thoughts were, and they're posting their every thought on Twitter and on on Facebook and Instagram, and the media is all at your fingertips. Um, so I think as parents, we have to be honest with our kids and have those tough conversations early on because if we don't set the foundation for our kids, someone else is going to, whether it's their friends from school, their the media, the things they're watching on TV. You know, So it's, it's our job to give them that foundation so they know what's right and wrong. But part of that problem now, too, is are the parents right or wrong? Mm -hmm. Because if I have messed up beliefs and I'm passing that down to my kids, mm -hmm. more than likely they're going to end up with those same beliefs. But that is where it's also important when we talked about the empathy. You know, I, I always look at one of our teammates in college. You know, I remember when him and I first hung out the summer after our freshman year, he told me, you know, you are the first black person that I have had a conversation with. I didn't know racism, racism existed until I met you. I was the first black person. This is an 18 year old male, yeah. first black person he ever met, you know, and, and I don't agree with some of the things that he would say or do, but I understood why he was that way because of how he was raised. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's remembering that 
just because I don't agree with what Tate Wheeler is saying, I can still understand why he's saying it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that is important. But having those honest conversations with our kids is going to be important. Well, actually getting to know each other, right? Like it's from, I think something that you and I talked about is like from the lens you look at, like even though we've known each other for so long and we know each other so well, we're still going to see things from a different lens because I've never walked a mile in your shoes and vice versa. And so I think that's so powerful because man, now is the time where we need to get to know each other better and, and come to those understandings that it's okay to have a different perspective from somebody because we came from different backgrounds. We came from different areas. And I just think that's so powerful when you actually want to get to know people better, get to know your neighbors better, especially people that come from different backgrounds of you. That just helps us grow and learn and prevent. I, I don't, I'd love to say prevent something like this from happening, but we have a long way to go. I think this is, this is teaching us that we have a long way to go still uh, in, in our country. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's, it, I personally feel it's going to get worse before it gets better. But like we have talked about in the past, you will not grow from a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, we are going to be in a lot of positions of discomfort over the next few months and even longer, you know, as all this stuff plays out. But there need to be honest conversations that need to be had with each other, with our local government with our national government, with our police departments, you know, and and with our communities. Because right now there's such a hard line drawn in the sand that people are almost saying, you got to stand on one side or the other. Mm -mm. And it's, that's, that can't be where it ends. You know, and maybe it has to be that way now because we need to see where people are at, but we have to be able to come back together because when it's all said and done, we're all neighbors and we're all in this together. And I think with what we have going on right now, you're going to see a lot of shift in um, the perspectives of a lot of people for better and for worse, just because you have a lot of people that are angry on, on every, every race, every religion. You have a lot of people that are uncomfortable. You have a lot of people, you know, even with, with COVID and now you've added, added this, you know, there's a lot of people that are going through trauma right now. So it's not something that's just going to change overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not going to change overnight. And you said get to know our neighbors better, get to know each other better. And yeah, it's just a powerful time for e- even though it, it may have to get worse before it gets better. I think it's a great time for us to 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 take a look in the mirror and, and realize that we can be part of the change like as a person that's white and comes from privilege. Like I, I don't take offense to that because I know, like you said, like I might've started on third base and you might've started on first base and someone else started at home and someone else is in the dugout. And we have to understand that, that, that not every one of us, none of us necessarily chooses the cards we were dealt in life, but how we play those cards is what differentiates us, right? Like we can, how do we play those cards? And, and we have to understand that not everyone was dealt a good hand. And if we can start to understand each other better with that perspective, I think that can, that can lead us to the right direction. Yeah. And, and also with that is not grouping large groups of people in because of the actions of one person. And I'm not just speaking about a police officer saying all cops are bad or all cops are good or, 
you know, you have a person that breaks into a store and they're black. Not all black people are bad. Not, not all black people are good because everyone's circumstance is different. And that's why I said earlier, I don't speak for all black people. And the media loves to put a black person on TV and make it seem like they speak for black people as a whole. And that's not the case because you have, you have black people that were born into wealthy families, but you have black people that were born dirt poor. You have white people that were born into wealth, wealthy families and you have white people that were born dirt poor. So it's not a, a cookie cutter, one size fits all because you're black, this is how you are. Because you're white, this is how you are. You know, and and we have to keep that in mind as we have interactions. Like, don't let your interaction with me be like, you know what? I talked to my black friend, I'm good. And I can't be like, you know what? My white, my white friend is good, we're good. No, we have to keep going out and talking to other people. And the, one of the most encouraging things I saw in Milwaukee, there's been a, you know, a lot of protests as there are in, in Minneapolis and other places. But when you watch the videos of the protest yesterday, there was a 13 mile walk. Probably 70% of the people there were white. And that is important because it can't just be black people speaking out for black people. It has to be white people, Asian people, you know, Hispanic people. Everyone has to speak out when someone is, when things are happening that are unjust towards someone. And it, and so often, you know, when you talk about Black Lives Matter, you have some people that will respond, all lives matter. Well, yes, all lives do matter. But right now, let's focus on the ones that are getting, that got, that are getting killed in broad daylight. And, it, and it's okay. And it seems at times it, it seems to be okay. Yes, people are outraged. But until there's justice, and even if there's justice this one time, that doesn't mean it's it's not going to happen again. You look at the lady who called, who threatened to call the police on the on the black man in the park. She knew what she was doing, and until we can get past things like that, these type of events are going to continue to happen because it's it's ingrained in the mentality of some people. Mm-hmm. So, what would be a final message that you'd want to share with with anyone listening to just shed some perspective of? how to look at this situation with a with a lens that's different from their lens like i i would say you know i th- i think you i think you spoke to it a little bit already of like you're speaking for yourself but if you were to to want to to shift someone's perspective to just have a better understanding overall and and not all of us can can say that from you know, from the color of our skin, how, how would you want just somebody to understand their neighbor better, understand their community better, understand each other better? Um, I think the, the first thing is we can't be colorblind. So often you have people that say, well, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Well, maybe that's your problem. You know, I need to see that you're white and I'm black and, and we're different because that's what's great about America is we're different. We're not a hodgepodge of, or we're not a society where every single person looks the same. That is what America was founded for. And, you know, I I think we have to start with that. Let's, let's notice each other's differences. Let's recognize each other's differences, but then let's appreciate each other's differences. And if we, if we can't take time to understand why someone may feel a certain way, then a lot of things aren't going to change. Like, like I said, people are, they're listening to respond 
versus listening to understand. And we have to just be willing to hear what people are saying. If a business owner is upset that they're, that businesses are getting broken into, listen to them, understand why they feel that way, but then let them know, you know, this is why I feel this way. And if they're not willing to, to even hear you out, then that may be a conversation you just don't do. That's just not going to work. And it's not going to, it's not going to make you feel any better. And it's not going to make them feel any better, but we have to just be willing to hear our neighbors, listen to our neighbors, understand our neighbors, because when it's all said and done, as frustrating as all of this is, we're in, we are all in this together. You know, we are helpless one to another. That's something my dad used to always say. And it's more true now than ever. What happens you know, in Minneapolis is, is affecting what's going on here in Milwaukee. And it's going to take black people, white people, you know, all of us coming together to try to come up with solutions. And instead of us just bickering back and forth, what are some of the meaningful things that we can do as a society? What are some of the things we can ask our, our governors, our mayors, our alder person, our president, our senators, our congressmen, we have to put the pressure on those people. They're the ones that that are making decisions that are affecting us as a whole and that have gotten us in this mess in the first place. I think the lack of response is what's so frustrating. You know, there was a, a quote and it said when you know we were speaking about police officers, you know, I mean, you know, I have quite a few friends that are police officers. It's, you know, if you have 10 bad cops and a thousand good cops. And those 1,000 good cops aren't calling out those 10 bad cops. Yep. And you have 1,010 bad cops. Yep, exactly. We have to start. If, if I see my brother messing up, then I got to call you out. You know, it doesn't have to be publicly. I don't have to get on your status and embarrass you. But pull that person aside. You know, man, Tate, look, you know, you may mean well, but this is how it appears. And this is how it makes me feel. Kind of what I did with that guy on my Facebook message. You know, I, part of it is that people are so quick to want to do it publicly on a Facebook status. And once someone's embarrassed, man, I'm not trying to hear your side of the story. You embarrassed. Exactly. exactly. Versus doing the let's do this privately and we can have a conversation. You know what? I may be able to get you to see another side. That's that's no different than you and I would address something, you know, as as friends. If if you know someone was out of line, I mean, I might pull you to the side if it, if it needed to be addressed right away. But that would be the way to handle it. And until that changes, it's going to be hard because you think that you need know, to talk about a brotherhood and the, these cops not stopping each other. It's like no, it, it does have to start there. It does have to start there. And I went, yeah. I walked down. To, to Minneapolis. I walked down to the mural today. I needed to see it in person. I just needed to feel it. Uh, I'm in the suburbs, so I'm, I'm 20 minutes away from where all, where all the, the, the riots and the looting are happening in, in, in the majority. But I wanted to go see it. And what I saw this morning was a community that was picking each other back up. They were cleaning up. They were uh, providing groceries. They were they were uh, cleaning walls. They were they were taking care of the community, and I I just I wish that part was part of the narrative as well. Is that a community is still rising up in spite of this situation? Yeah, and that's that doesn't sell. <laughs> you know, you you. I mean, that's you. People have to remember, and I think people forget it so often. The media isn't some nonprofit; they're a business, and me talking about how Tate Wheeler is doing boxing for, for Parkinson's. Yeah, it's a feel-good story, but 
if I lead the if I lead the news with that, people may not stick around. But if I start off talking about, you know, the the eight murders up the street, people jump all over that stuff. People love to see negativity, and the media feeds into that. And people have to yeah, people have to remember the the media is an is isn't working for us. They're they're a business, and their job is to get people to tune in. So whatever is going to get people to tune in, they're going to do. Absolutely. And as someone that doesn't watch the news, uh, I, that's why I wanted to go feel it. I wanted to go be be there and just see the community because you see one side of it presented on social media. And you also, if you look for it, you can find the, the opposite side, the good mm-hmm. side. But I, I always like to be able to see it for myself. And I saw a community coming together. That's what I saw. And, and I hope that anyone listening knows that you can be a part of this change. Uh, and it, it, we've talked about this on episode five when I had you on the first time. One person can completely change the trajectory of someone's life. And if someone's listening right now, I would hope that you want to be that person that can help change either your kid's life, your neighbor's life, someone in your family's life, and we can stop having these conversations at some point by the time we're we're old and granddads <laughs> at some point, I would love to have a different conversation. And, and it doesn't mean that we, that we forget about this. This helps us learn and grow from it. And, and you said something earlier, there's no progress made in comfort zones. And I truly believe that. And we have to start getting, getting comfortable being uncomfortable with our conversations that we may have to have to understand each other better. And I think that would be a great start for all of us is to understand our neighbors better, understand each other better, and realize that one person can make a difference in how they change the world. Definitely. And, and holding each other accountable. That's people have, hold your loved ones accountable, whether you are black, white, whatever religion, race, if one of, if, if one of your loved ones or friends is doing something that, or saying something they shouldn't, shouldn't be saying or doing, hold them accountable speak to them like you said have those uncomfortable conversations because through that you can hope that someone will grow i love it ed i appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast again sharing some perspective i appreciate you and i love you love you too brother as always thank you so much for tuning into the podcast everybody if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend and give it a five-star review if you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter that comes out every monday morning with your new episode please shoot me a dm at tate wheeler 21 on instagram and i'll add you to my email list i cannot wait to connect with you again soon